Dear Cosmo Babies, on this week's episode, we are chatting with our good friend, Travis Parker. I'm your host, Amy MacArthur, and I have my co-host with me today, Russell Mays, and we're going to jump right into it. <laughs> sweet, really? sweet. Well, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you taking your time. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're quite busy with all the, the things you've got going on, all the irons in the fire. So for those that uh, aren't privileged to know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your hair journey? Well, thanks, Russell, and thank you, Annie, for the introduction as well. Yeah, I've been a hairdresser for 36 years. I have been an educator for over 20 years. I started off like everybody else in cosmetology school and left school lost and sought finding answers. And I was a, a driven human being that continued to pursue education and mentors and you know, looked up to idols and wanted to be them when I grew up. And and now as a grown up, I'm I'm just trying to uphold, you know, hopefully inspiring others to pursue education as well. But yeah, many, many journeys in between. I my earlier stages with education was I was very inspired by Tony Guy. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing James Morrison back in the day and just thought, my gosh, like that's that's how you're supposed to cut hair. And back in the day when I was getting started, it was all VHS. So I'd buy every VHS cassette, you know, thing that I could buy and every book that you could buy at a trade show. And, and yeah, I was just all in on anything they could put out and they really sang to me. So that led me to eventually having a small opportunity with them as an educator. And, and that was back in the early nineties. And I stood uh, up in front of people crumbling because I was petrified to public speak, but it was my first experience as an educator and as a teacher and following a script was the only thing I think kept me alive at the time. And, and, you know, years later I opened up my own space and that was my first journey as a business owner and, and had the opportunity to write my own policies and procedures and learning experiences to drive the team through education that would help us brand it and brand our brand, brand our company. And that led to an invitation to work with L'Oreal, which I ended up working with them for 16 years. And just about six months ago, resigned with them to pursue my academy, which I've now had my training academy for the last almost seven years now. And yeah, just pursuing, pushing you know us into a better and stronger understanding of, of how to find end results when it comes to cutting hair. Yeah, and that's great. a clip note. There it is. That's awesome. I love that's it. Great. Now, yeah. when when the VHS era was out, when you could only get your education through VHS tapes, were you a, a member of the subscription? Because I know once a month there were certain subscription companies that would send out a video once a month. Did no, you ever do that. No, I didn't. Yeah. And I was a broke kid, so that would have totally <laughs> saved me a buck. I mean, <laughs> I was eating ramen every night in those days, so that would have definitely saved me a dollar. I could have bought some chicken. That's funny. <laughs> so when you you went to beauty school, what made you want to go into hair? How did that come into your your thought process? That's that's funny. I was just laughing with my editor right now because we were sending each other little goth pictures of of he and I, and we get into the, these just this banter back and forth. But I was a goth kid back in the eighties, and mm-hmm. I was inspired prior to that by a lot of punk rock stuff in in the mid eighties, and then got into a lot of gothic stuff in my late teens. And where I grew up in Monterey, we were on the poor side of the tracks. And so we didn't have any money to go get our hair done. And back then, there was nowhere to really get your hair done in that sort of a vibe or style. Mm -hmm. And so we started doing each other's hair garage style. And one of my buddies started school and I was 15 at the time. And he's like, yo, Trav, like, I think you'd like it. And I'm like, I I don't think I would. 
And, <laughs> and I was totally against it. And Bart Repsicle was my dude. He's He totally inspired me. He pushed me and he just kept saying, dude, like we're doing each other's hair. Like it's cool. Like you would like it. It's our tribe of people. Yeah. And so I looked into it and you had to be 16. And, you know, when I was 16, I signed in. And, and at that time, being in high school, the state, I guess it was the state, you know, had a program that would cover the cost of it. So yeah. I was able to get through school without, you know, pushing a penny in any direction. And, and, you know, but to that point, you know, as much as he had to convince me to get in, it was that moment for me that the minute I walked in that door, I looked around the room and I'm like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is my group. This is my people. And this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And, yes. you know, 36 years of being a hairdresser now, you know, I end up in trade shows and I'm like, my people, you know, I'm just so <laughs> juiced. I'm so jazzed. Welcome home. Welcome yeah, home. Yeah. Yeah. I love us weirdos. You know, yeah. bring it. Absolutely. Like, give me colored hair. Give me personality. <laughs> you know, give me somebody that resists the system and I'm like, I'm going to be your best friend forever. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you went from, when you graduated, did you go through an apprenticeship yourself or did you just jump right in at a quick service and start doing hair? That's a great question. No, I, I didn't jump into having any sort of mentor in the very beginning. When I graduated from cosmetology school, I was still in high school. And so between my junior and senior year, I ended up working at, you know, this kind of divey little salon up in this town called Marina, you know, just outside of Monterey, which is where I was at at the time. And I worked in there and there was myself and one other girl that worked there. And we literally were just biffing everybody's hair up. I mean, from like over perming their hair and melting mm. it off to oh, no. cutting it completely <laughs> wrong. And you well, know. you want to make sure that perm stays, you know, so cook <laughs> it a little longer. <laughs> the longer the better, right? Yeah, couldn't be undercooked, could it? Oh, no. Uh -uh. Well, not at all. Fair. Yeah. So, you know, Leah was her name and, and I, we just, we, we were kind of fumbling through things together. And, and this woman, Kathy, owned it and, and she was a nail tech. And so she had nothing to offer us in the hair realm. And yeah, so my senior year of high school, I just, you know, I cut my brother's hair. I cut all my friend's hair. I probably made 3,500 bucks that year. And, and then I moved down to San Diego and I got a job right away at a salon that my brother was getting his hair cut at because he had moved here to go to, or go to college first. Mm -hmm. So I sort of chased him down. And this was a salon that he was getting his hair cut at. And he's like, yo, my little brother's going to move down. You know, would you hook him up? And they're like, well, it just happens that we have a space. And so I got a job there. This the, the place was called Model Call. I ended up staying there for 13 years. And Roger Tuttle, the owner, was just a rock star. Like he was amazing. He worked for a company called Focus 21, which is a back in the day company. Yeah, I remember. And, yeah, you remember? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, and, I remember. And then the two other gals that worked there worked with him kind of as an, as an assistant to focus, you know, him with Focus 21. And that was the first real educational way of thinking I'd ever seen. That was a real, I, I shouldn't say it that way. This was the first organized way of thinking about haircutting that I'd ever seen mm -hmm. in application in a salon, aside from the VHS tapes that I was watching. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that right out of the gate, they became, each one of them became a mentor to me because I was this little kid. I was, you know, 18 years old, barely. And I just out of my parents' house, I had no direction aside from trying to fumble through college, which I didn't finish college. And yeah, and they really kind of led me along the beginning trails of those first primer years of my life. And yeah, from there, it was all up and a million downs. But yeah, it was it was looking up at understanding that if I proceeded with 
educate looking at education in a certain way i was developing and i was growing not without mistakes again but yeah it was certainly an infrastructure for me so at what point do you feel like you became a success working behind a chair and, and you felt like yes i can make this a career you know i, I think I, I can even rewind the tape with that question because i think i felt that i was a success back on that first day that i walked into school awesome. i was always a, a a CD student in school. Mm -hmm. My mom was a teacher. My dad was in the army. And so I had this militant background with a mother that was a teacher and I still sucked at school. And again, as soon as I walked into cosmetology school and I started sort of fumbling around with hair, I, I realized that this was my medium. And I realized that I had an ability to see an end result before I started a process. And I didn't understand how to navigate the process because I hadn't mm -hmm. had proper instruction on it yet. But it was the first thing that I could really, almost like sculpting, I could almost get an end result without having much information in it. And I felt success, I'd say, you know, in my relative, relatively in my early years, I'm not sure right. I knew how to truly measure <laughs> success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean? But it yeah. was, you know, soccer, it was my biggest kind of American sport I was into and I sucked at it and, and right. yet I loved it. And baseball, I tried for a couple of years and I sucked at that. And again, I just wasn't superior in school. And so I kind of felt like it was a, you know, a bad case in that, you know, world. And, and yeah, so I think it was right in the beginning. And then fast forwarding just a bit, my first year at the salon called Model Call that I mentioned, I made nine grand my first year. The second year I made 18 grand. So I doubled my income and think about That's living great. on nine grand or 18 grand, yeah. right? Not, not yeah. a lot. Uh, and, and this isn't that long. It was not like it was in the 1920s, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just all in the early nineties. Yeah. 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 A new car didn't cost 500 bucks. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And so, you know, that second year I was like, yo, I just doubled my income. Like that's freaking bananas. And then my third year, I made 36K and I'm like, oh, I just doubled it again. Like if this continues, I'll be a yeah. millionaire in moments. And, you know, and I think that those were the days where I was like, oh my gosh, like there's real money to be made in yeah. this. And, mm -hmm. and that was real money to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that for where I was at at that age, like, again, I didn't grow up around money and, and I didn't grow up with a lot of instruction in, in this way. So yeah. And also, like that, also that not to interrupt. No, also, please. it's something that you built yourself. It wasn't a job you went in and then they handed it to you. You mm -hmm. started from nothing and built that up yourself. So the, the sense of reward has got to be massive. Mm -hmm. uh, massive. I mean, that that's one thing I really applaud my parents over was that they they never allowed me to be bored. Like if I said I was bored, my dad would literally kick me out of the house or kick me in the head, one or the other, <laughs> or kick my head out of the house. Right. And, you know, and I only got what I deserved and, and you know, I wanted a lot more. And so it wasn't going to come from them. And so I had to figure out, my brother and I both, we had to figure out how to do that. And without, you know, any sense of entitlement, I just was sort of raised in that way that if I wanted it, I had to make it happen. And I mm -hmm. very much in that way today, like I'm no different. I work my ass off to have what I have in my life. And, and I don't, yeah, expect anything to happen as a gift ever. And when it does, I'm blessed, you know? Yeah. So how long did you actually work behind a chair before you thought, I want to open my own salon? There was a minute between all of that mm -hmm. and opening my first space. I opened my first space, I think in 2003. So I moved down here in eight, late 89, basically 1990. So 13 years in there. So yeah, I worked at Model Call that entire time. And, you know, I just got to a place where 
I was kind of ready for that next stage, that next step and that next level of maturity. And I started dreaming like most of us do as hairdressers of, of what, what is that next step? And, and so, yeah, I started kind of conceptualizing what, you know, my salon would be. And I was really obsessed with interior design. I was always an artistic kid in that sense, no matter what I was navigating it to. And so I started kind of putting ideas together of like, oh, I could do a salon. It would look like this and it would look like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, all the cosmetic things that make you no yeah. money just yeah. cost you all your money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I could make more money. I was, it yeah. was more along the lines of like, you know, this would, I'd have the coolest looking you know, salon in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was back in early 20, early 2000s. And then 2003 is when I opened it. And yeah, have you been so doing like that next step? Had you been doing any training of apprentices before this or just your your education outside of the salon? So, yeah, working with the group there at Model Call, you know, Mm -hmm. again, they were all really driven. We were this super hip salon down here in San Diego. We were really the salon that everyone was going to if they had aesthetic direction and trending style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were always sort of forward thinking, not just on, you know, a, a trend-based look, but, you know, how, how do you create it? And so, you know, truly I would say that they were, that was my foundation level when it came to mentoring and aspiring to that, be better and stronger. And then in the mid nineties, one of my buddies was running one of the only distribution channels of Tony and Guy, TG Hair Products in San Diego for the U.S., and so he was wow. good friends with Anthony Mascalo and the Mascalo brothers, James Morrison, mm-hmm. and all those cats that were, you know, b- building, you know, the Tony and Guy presence in the U.S. And this was prior yeah. to them doing their stuff in Dallas. And and so he used to party at my brother's clubs, and so we used to all hang out. And he was, you know, he would be like, "Trav, like you should come to our classes." And then, you know, I would go to all the classes, and then he's like, "You should teach." And I'm like, "No yeah. way! <laughs> Why not?" I'm like, "Because I'm petrified. <laughs> I'm inferior. Like I go to classes, I don't teach them. What are you talking about? You're a nut." And yeah, so you know, I was I was definitely surrounding myself with people that were pulling things off just because I was drawn to it. I'm like, I want to be around cool human yeah. beings that are crushing yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. as that, you know, I listen to Gary Vee all the time. He talks about this stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be something, surround yourself with people that are. And, yeah. and so, yeah, that just became my, you know, I said the word tribe earlier that, you know, I mean this in the most respectful way that just became my group of people. And, and so when you have people that are driving hard and towards things, you're like, well, F, like, I want that too. I don't know if I can cuss. He's like, yeah. oh, you know, <laughs> I no, want you that can't. too. And I We're can't. fluent in French. We're fluent okay. in French. Yeah, yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's my first language, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> and not true French. But uh, yeah, so, you know, I just, all of that, I think, was culminating at the same time. And, you know, then my ideas of opening my first salon was like, okay, now I have some foundation with education. I'm starting to understand it. I'm still petrified to get in front of people, but but I get the necessity of it. And and you know, life has got its weird ways of positioning you in places of discomfort so that yeah. you're you know gonna grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as much as again, I was you know, I'd rather pull my skin off than get in front of people half the time. Life kept pushing me out on stage to to do it or in front of people. And so yeah, I had this big dream of could I build a team 
of like-minded you know people and then that would all lend to building the continuity with their brand so as i was spending money on marketing i was also i had a platoon of people that were all marching you know to the same beat with the same background with the same consultation with you know, the same aesthetic or not necessarily aesthetic approach but the same approach and then celebrating the individual aesthetic that i think complemented the the you know the differences in the brand yeah this, this kind of makes me think of something that has been a question and not so much even a question, but a comment that I have heard quite a bit throughout my own career from other people is that you mentioned earlier that you kind of got into hairdressing because it was like, it was part of the scene you were in. You were very like aesthetically drawn by like the 80s punk news movement and those kind of things. And I hear a lot of times from people that they got into cosmetology specifically because they needed something that they weren't receiving in their own, like from their own group of people. And whether that's somewhere, a salon that they can go, that they are feeling their aesthetic is, is being complimented or being surrounded by groups of people. What, like, what would you tell people, especially with, without social media, because you did this in a time where there was no social media how do you find those people? Because again, people are like, I can't find my group or I want to go do this to create something for my own group of people. But how do they then find a group of people to get involved with? Because it's like, clearly you are someone that is very driven, very self-driven and we're able to get involved into Tony and Guy and things like that. But for people that may not have that like self-awareness or are trying to get into cosmetology to create something, you know, like fill a, see a need, fill a need type of situation. How can they start to find that group of people to surround themselves with? Because we're I, out I, there. <laughs> yeah, no, for reals, right? And and fortunately, we do have the internet in a blessed way to, to yeah. connect us in ways that we just didn't before. No, I love that question so much. And I think it's so important. It's something that I've thought about a lot throughout my life and my career because I I, I still am looking for my people, right? Yeah. You know, I think as I grow, I'm going through unique stages. You know, I'm a 52-year-old man now. The average hairdresser is 24, you know, yeah. 25 years old. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not at bars and clubs hanging out with kids, uh, you know, what I call kids anymore. Like I'm in yeah. a different place in my life. I'm a dad and, and I've got all these other things. So I'm still looking for, you know, my my biggest compliment in, in a social nature or in a social group period. But I think the important thing that I've learned, and this wasn't intentional, like I didn't think like this when I was 20 years old or 25 years old was, you know, I, I really pursued what my interest was. And then I found that the more I pursued it, other people were navigating to that same place. And like I said, the internet has, you know, really created this funneling system for us like-minded people to find each other. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think what we have to do is sometimes you find that you're marching by yourself in the dark and yeah. you're you're searching for what it is that complements you at that time in that phase in your life. And as the sun rises, you look to your left and you're like, Oh my God, there's a person, right, not in a creepy way, but there's, there's a person right there <laughs> that's, you know, that's like me and like, whoa, they're yeah. marching the same direction. And then you look over here and you're like, oh my gosh, like they're into this too. And you're like, yo, what's your name? And oh, you like hair too. And oh my God. Mm-hmm. And you like, you used to be in a punk rock. Like that's so crazy. Me too. Like, have you heard yeah. of the band? You know, and then you start building this momentum. And as you continue to march, whether it's in the day or the night, you, I sound like I'm preaching right now, uh, <laughs> whether you're, you're marching the day or the night, you start to find that it, magnetically, 
like-minded people start to surround you. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're part of a cultural group. And this this group is something that helps you to to take things to new levels. Yeah. But I think what we fear is being alone in general throughout life. And and I think some of my biggest lessons in life have come when I'm alone. And if we can overcome the fear of being by ourselves, understand that that's part of our journey to develop and grow. And that's what navigates the direction that we push forth and towards. And that's just part of our development. Like you're going to be alone in certain phases. Like again, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I grew the mo- I've always grown the most when I'm by myself. You know what I mean? And then again, when I find myself, okay, well, now I'm going to do this. Then I start moving in that direction. And like I said, before I know it, if I just continue to walk forward under that belief, you know, people naturally sort of navigate around me or I'm naturally navigating into their worlds. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know this existed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think it's it's just important to give ourselves the patience of a process. And sometimes there's highs, sometimes there's lows, but we we need to celebrate those moments when we're by ourselves, that we're not part of a group, understanding who we are, mm-hmm. so that navigates our direction. And once we start to have that direction in motion, that's when we start to find passion. Passion yeah. isn't always the first step. And having yeah. the answers isn't always the first step. The first step is stepping Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Action. Taking some action. Yeah, physical. Yeah. Every step towards success requires you to take an, a step towards that action in the faith that you'll be able to get there where you need to go and you'll discover the way as you go. Mm-hmm. You're not going to figure it out before. Yeah. So I mean, don't that, you think, Russell? I mean, has absolutely. that not been your journey too? 100%. 100%. It's like, yeah. I have an idea. Okay. I want to go say, I want to go to New York. I get in my car. It's in the middle of the night. How do I get there? I don't know. I just start driving. I can see the next hundred yards because of my headlights, but I figure out that once I drive that hundred yards, I'll see the next hundred and which way to go and the next hundred, which way to go and the next hundred. So the path will present itself as I take the action towards what I think I want. And sometimes I drive the wrong way. So what do I do? Say, oh, I did the wrong way. I'm going to turn around and go back and find another way. Mm-hmm. I don't sit there and wallow in the mire of, oh my God, I'm a failure. I'm just not going to do anything again because I made a wrong turn. Mm-hmm. No. Well, and how the wrong turn can lead you to the right turn at the same time. You know uh, what I mean? Like I, yeah. and I don't know if you feel like this, Andy, but you know, I, there's been a million moments where I had this ambitious dream and I'm like, oh dang, I'm going to do this or that. <laughs> and then I start pushing forward, like we're talking about. And then all of a sudden something smacks me in the face and the wind blows and I'm moving a totally different direction. Absolutely. And that put, puts something right in front of me that becomes my fate. Yeah. And at that moment, I'm like, oh mm-hmm. shit, I would have never thought about doing this. And now this is everything that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, again, just one foot at a time and, and moving forward, it navigates you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. But embracing that journey and celebrating the moments in between alone or with others is all part of defining, I think, happiness and purpose. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. it's important to talk about stuff like this because for someone who's been in the industry for almost 40 years, having those feelings of like, well, I don't really know if this is my group of people, but I'm going to find out. And then I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. I also felt that way. And I think people listening to this podcast who are in school right now, who probably also feel this way, I think it's nice to know that everyone felt this way at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's not just like an individual, like you're alone out there in, in the ether, you know, trying to figure it out. And is this the right path to take? But like, we all felt that way at one point. 
why do you guys think that we do feel so unique in these moments? Like, why, nobody else has got it like this. You know, we point these things out as like, you know, this is part of all of our journey. But why mm-hmm. do we start to feel so isolated? Like, we're the only one that life picks on or doesn't give us the answers. Or you know, where do you think mm-hmm. that comes from? I think because we're artists. And like, we have a certain, like, I feel like with artists, you kind of have this like emotional mentality. Not all of us, obviously, some are more logical, some are more emotional, you know, everything in between. But I think as as a, a group, our industry, at our core, we are truly artists. And I think that sometimes the the part of being an artist is that loneliness that we yeah. we tend to feel. See, yeah. I look at it as it's it's part of the hero's journey. It's part of the initiation yeah. that in order to achieve something that's really valuable, you have to put yourself in a position where you feel very vulnerable. And it's that vulnerability that mm-hmm. it's hard for us to admit. And once we're vulnerable and yet we still take action and we eventually get the skills to where we can achieve what we really want, then the reward comes, not before. And you have to go through that progress, that journey mm-hmm. to get there. Yeah. yeah. Find yeah. Well, way. We can't rush reward either, right? No. I mean, from no. my experience, is the, the more I try to rush things, the more I think delay happens. The more mm. like, it almost pushes it away. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If I drink enough coffee, I can get there faster. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if I don't sleep for three days, I can get this done. Yeah. 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 And then all this emotion kicks in, as we're saying. Yeah. And then yeah. you know, <laughs> my most illogical behavior comes when I'm emotional. So if, I, if I've slept well and I'm just chill, then holy shit, can I see, you know, can I see the horizon and, yeah. uh, and that I can navigate towards. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So you have, you have made the, the, the transition from, you know, being a hairstylist yourself behind the chair to being a salon owner and training your staff. And now you've moved this education online. So you have a lot of online kind of education and trainings. So what's the benefit of doing online versus the negative of doing online? Do you, do you see challenges and benefits to both sides? I do. Yeah, I think when things seem like a plan B, we think about it negatively. And when COVID happened and online was sort of went from plan B to plan A, yeah. people were kind of like, well, I don't have a choice. And and I was like, well, does it have to be a plan B or is it just an option of plan A, period? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing negative about it whatsoever. Matter of fact, if I'm online, I can speak to people all over the world that are saving money by having to travel here or whatever else, you know? And so for me, online became a way for me to navigate information to more people. I always had a limitation with doing it in person. So I think for me, it was always an option to connect with more people. At the same time, I was, I've always been a nerd. Like I love tech. I am very driven by technology in every field. Mm-hmm. It's been something I've sought out to understand more. Applying it to our industry has been something that always appealed to me because our industry, I felt, was always very low tech in regards to uh, adaptation of technology. And so for me, during COVID, I started working with a, a production company just before COVID happened. And things during COVID all of a sudden stopped. And I was like, well, I love technology. If I could invest in a couple cameras and get a couple things going on, I could really pull some stuff off right now and, and navigate my information. People that can't travel or do anything for that matter mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I lived on B&H for a minute there and I spent every dollar I had on all this new equipment. I lived on YouTube trying to learn how to use all this equipment and, you uh-huh. know, 
I know you guys know a little bit about it. You wouldn't have a podcast. And, and, you know, and I went from a hairdresser all of a sudden to trying to understand a production world. And I was like, holy crap, like this is cool. And I'm totally in over my head, but I flip and love it. Yeah. And then I started to reminisce in the thoughts of any sort of stage presence that I had ever had prior to all these moments. And and I remembered that every time I'd go onto a large stage and I was getting mic'd up, I found myself backstage asking all the AV guys a trillion questions. And I used to think like it was just me calming my nerves down and not thinking about what it was that I was about to go do because I was going to yeah. go stand bunch of people. And again, that made me nervous. But then I started to think, well, maybe there's this romance that I just have with AV and and I love audio video and it's something that I'm into. And so the more I started delving into it and diving into it over COVID, I was like, I love this. And then I was working with L'Oreal at the time. And L'Oreal's like, hey nerd, like can you help us with some of our <laughs> like some of our digital stuff, you know, during COVID? And I'm like, I can. And so I was running their broadcast. I was talent as well. I was coaching other people at speaking in front of cameras because I had a lot of these things kind of in my background. And and I was basically like a puppeteer running this whole production. And I was like, I just dig this, man. This is dope. And we get to connect <laughs> again with so many different people. And so, yeah, I, I'm sort of expanding massively on your question. But yeah, it became that thing for me that back to our, you know, just moving forward with things. Like I didn't know that all of it was going to turn into what it's turned into. I didn't know that I was going to end up with a $40,000 studio in the other room in front of me right now. Like <laughs> I didn't anticipate any of that to ever happen in my life whatsoever. But yeah. when COVID went down and all of this stuff was happening, I knew I had to pivot. I yeah. knew I had to reach out to people and connect to people. And then when I was like, why does everybody think this is a plan B? It's it's just not. And it's a plan A with with an incredible option that if you can go in person, then you know that's awesome because we get to like be physically in the same space. But you know, this is a way that if we do it right, we can really help a lot of people. And that's why I teach is to help people develop. It you know really has nothing to do with me at all. I was, as I said before, I was chosen, you know, to get in front of people, and this was my world just kept navigating and positioning itself like Travis. So you're supposed to do this. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And you know, yet, yet it kept happening. And, and uh, yeah, so that was my role, but that's why I got into online and now I love it. Now, as I, I think we were briefing before we got on, I, you know, I've got a whole LMS system that, you know, I'm building on demand content. And I just did a webinar this morning, which I, maybe you hopped on Annie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Aaron did. Aaron was on it. Yeah. Aaron okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, And then I just did a podcast right before this. And, and you know, it's become such a part of my life now. And, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Now your online is more of a system and not just individual trend haircut videos. Yeah, correct. For clarity. Yeah, we've written, I've written a, a certification process on how to cut hair. So, you know, my thing is celebrating the the individual artist, but let me teach you the architecture behind your artistry. Mm -hmm. And which is why we've always focused on mannequins and all that, because we want people to skin it their way. We're just teaching you how to build it. Sure. And But yeah, it's primarily been based, it's been based upon that. And that's primarily what we offer, but we are getting ready right now, which you guys don't know, we're getting ready to launch a package called Haircut Pro, which is 20 unique videos and 10, 10 or 15, I forget right now, business related videos. And we're going to sell it as a package. And that has nothing to do with our certification, aside from the fact that in all the individual cutting videos that are trend-based videos, we're using our certification process 
as a means of example to build these trending cuts. And then we're launching our certification in an on-demand package right now as well. So yeah, I'm just finally getting to a place where I've got this script written out. The certification is robust. It's legit. And we believe we can build any cut upon it. So now that's what we're going to start to do is, is build more trend-related content upon a full system that continually is used to exhibit, again, as means of example, these trend-based cuts. Yeah. And where can people find that? What's the web address? So my academy is called Travis Parker Academy. The URL, the web address is travisparkeracademy.com. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, and we'll have that in the description below for anyone that is searching for this. We'll make sure to link it in the description. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Annie. Great. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Now, Annie always has her favorite question that she's got to end with. So this is like the, the coup de grace. We're already done. I'm so sad. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Too much. laughs> I know. I'm like, I I probably can ask you like a hundred more questions. Oh my God. We need a part as two. Well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Yeah. So my favorite question I'd love to ask people is like with the information and the journey that you have taken so far in your career, what advice would you give yourself back in cosmetology school? <laughs> you know, I know this, this, this area is going to come out a couple minutes after, <laughs> after today, but you know, that said, or maybe it's not, I don't know, but we just posted a video today and it was me talking about what I would advise myself. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> and it's, my editor is so funny. He put a picture of me. He put a picture of a baby, and then he took the baby's face off and threw my face <laughs> over it. It's flipping hysterical. I started crying, laughing when I saw it. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's a really great question. And you know, when I was eighteen and or sixteen when I started school, eighteen when I graduated, yeah, I didn't think like I think now. Like I didn't have the ability to think this in depth upon any of the things that I think about now, like I was a young little, you know, pre-nerd back then. Now I'm a full old nerd. You know, I, th I think that the bit of advice that I have for for all of us and and what I could, you know, go back and, and repeat in my life is to surround ourselves with people that believe in us more than we believe in ourselves. Surround people or ourselves with people that don't have the emotions that we have that build insecurities inside of ourselves. Surround ourselves with people that see our possibility and our opportunities. Mm -hmm. And if we continue to surround ourselves with people that are negative, that don't see things for what they could be, we they see things in a negative way or they gossip or they talk shit a bunch get out yeah exit don't hang out with people that are negative and if you're yeah. one of those people that are negative find people that are positive and allow them to infect you with positivity yeah. we all go through stages that are tough and we all go through stages where our, you know our head is down so yeah we we need to navigate around positive people I have a big thing for supporting everybody no matter where they're at because we're at exactly where we're supposed to be. But what is the meaning in that moment? A lot of us are jumping right into studio salons right now. And I, I celebrate those that have the bravery to do it. But I also question and pose this as a question is, is, is joining, a, joining a party of one, is that the best party? You know, going right into a loft studio and not having mm -hmm. anybody to inspire you, having mm -hmm. no one to mentor you and having no one next to you that just keeps conversation going outside mm -hmm. of your world. Is that the best place to go? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's not. 
But I'm saying surrounding yourself with people that are inspiring, that have seen it a couple of times, that have procedures in place, that have practical application in place and history in place mm-hmm. might be somebody that you could learn from. So I, again, I celebrate everybody's moment because we're exactly where we're supposed to be at that moment. Mm-hmm. But but I challenge us all with the question of, you know, you know, would it compliment us to be around people that have had a couple of days behind something that they could share that with us to give us that wisdom? to get us off to a better step and a better foot. I, I do have another question actually for you too. Oh, there's that, two Russell. <laughs> I know. We're not done I'm yet. sorry. <laughs> I'm going. sorry. I'm like, Let's I go. again, I could, I feel like I could talk to Travis for like forever, but something that I was thinking about with what you said about moving to an online space and that you really love being in an online space Do you have, like, as a personal preference, are you finding that you are loving being in an online space more than a one-on-one space with people? No, I'm not. I I love them both for different reasons. And I'm not sure if I could say I love one more than the other. But to be completely transparent, I've, I've been in an online space for the last two years more than I've been on stage or in front of large audiences. That said, I was really celebrating the fact that I was becoming stronger at speaking in front of a camera. And we all know when you get in front of a camera, it is quite different than Mm -hmm. speaking in front of an audience. Having that zero engagement when you're looking at a round lens is a very bizarre thing for human beings. You know what I mean? When we're used to looking at each other, you know, through the camera as we are right now. And and so I got to a place where I, I celebrate the fact that I, I didn't have a choice. And so it led me to, to greater levels of success in more of a rapid sense. But then I was just in Austin at the BTC show representing Arc Scissors. And I was up in front of 2,500 people on main stage. And then I had a classroom where I was in front of 250 people. And then I was in their booth doing stage work in their booth. And I came back. Well, I came back with COVID. That part sucked. Um, <laughs> but I came back. You're so- never leaving the office again. <laughs> I'm like, (laughs) online, you don't get COVID. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, I came back with so much like warmth and love and connection with the industry, like Mm -hmm. hugging new people and friends and speaking to people and watching them light up and having people come up to me and tell me that I gave them words that inspired them, that may have motivated them to make a decision. Having people still reach out to me from that show, you know, with these, these incredible words of compliment, you know, it's, there's a beautiful thing about human connectivity. I mean, we were born to be around each other and, and, Again, I, I'll use the word tribe again. You know, in a tribal sense, there's a native part of humans that we, we're we're supposed to exchange energy and and exchange love and exchange yeah. you know compassion and empathy and and that's sometimes as much as we have you know the option of online, it, it's a different reality when we're in person. So. Yeah, I I love them both equally. I love that I have the option to do both. I love that I have the confidence now at this place in my life to be myself in Mm -hmm. regardless of the format. And whether, again, it's in front of a camera or it's online in a podcast like this or it's in front of 10,000 people, like I I just feel so lucky that I get to connect. Yeah. I I recently left a salon that I was working at and the reason I was in the salon was because of the pandemic and I wasn't able to travel and our business had changed quite a bit with what I do with hair nerds. And so thankfully I had a friend in the area that I live that owned a salon and I was like, please let me work for you. Like I got to get out of the house. I'm not able to like 
do what I normally do and like connect with my industry in a meaningful way that I did before. And I'm finding that now that I'm no longer there because, you know, things are changing. The world is changing. We're traveling a lot more. We're getting back to what our business was pre-pandemic. And I'm finding that I'm missing them so hard. (laughs) (laughs) And I almost feel like I'm in this like backwards spiral because I feel like with the online space has opened us up as individuals to reach so many people and to have those connections and relationships through our online sources. And it's, it is funny to me how I feel like I'm almost moving in this backward sense of like, well, I miss them and I miss working with them one-on-one and I miss teaching them and training them and, and and seeing their wins happen on an everyday basis. And it's so interesting to me on like a personal level, like, like, but I love being a part of our industry as a bigger picture, but like, I miss yeah. them so much. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally get it. And again, I think we get, we, you know, we're, we're at, we're at again, you know, at all times. And there's, there's so much meaning in, in it in every way and depends on how dive deep we want to dive. But yeah, I don't know. I knew how much I missed it until it was in front of me again. And mm-hmm. And yeah, I need it in my life for sure. I I will never be 100% one or the other. I will always be a combination of both. Yeah. Yeah. A hybrid. I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like hybrid approach. I'm going to speak right? for it's Russell. About activity, right? <laughs> totally. But I, I feel like that's Russell too. You know, like I feel like you're kind of in this hybrid area also of the online and, and personal. Yeah. I, I heard yeah. a great quote. I'm, can dive down some deep holes with AI and artificial intelligence period. And there's a great quote that circulates around the AI world. And and it said, you know, AI won't take over the world, but the people using AI will take over people not using AI. And life's about adaptivity and, and using technology and the involvement yeah. of what humans have come up with yeah. to mm-hmm. gain superpowers and to gain greater mm-hmm. levels of knowledge and or deliverables at levels that we couldn't before. And so I, I think like anything, it's, you know, it's, I'm, I feel lucky for all of us that we have the ability to connect in different ways because it gives us superpowers. You know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have if we just did one or the other. So it's not about a choice of one versus the other. It's about adaptivity and and staying relevant and staying connected so that we can always become a stronger, better self. Definitely. That one thing that a friend of mine told me that really struck me and hit home that's, that's similar to that is that he could always tell how old a hairdresser was by the type of hair that they did. Like whatever their photos were on Instagram, he could always tell how old they were because they tend to not grow out of an era where they they reached success and felt comfortable. And I thought, damn, I don't want to be the old guy still doing haircuts from the 80s. I got to update my shit so I'm modern. (laughs) So so I have to continue to grow and continue to get out and to do things and stuff like that. And it's a lot like I have to learn new technology. I have to learn new approaches. I have to learn new hairstyles. I have to learn different ways of doing the same thing. And online is is that sort of new thing, As whereas the old way was you go to a hair class or a seminar or a hair show. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, well, and I think Russell too. When I was anywhere between 18 with my fake ID to 35, 
I lived in a world that was cool. Like mm-hmm. I, it was part of my everyday. Like I didn't have to try to find what was trending at that moment. What would the next, mm-hmm. what was the spring collection of 2024? Like I was around people that were already busting that style or mm-hmm. they were the street culture or the early adapters that were inspiring Pret-a-Porter that was putting mm-hmm. that into, you know, mainstream marketplace on a consumer mm-hmm. level. And so like, I didn't have to do anything. I was immersed in it. Now, again, as a 52 year old man, like I have to put forth effort to not become, you know, an eighties hairdresser, Russell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I, 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 you're going to find me on the side of a soccer pitch, watching my 12 year old play soccer, not hanging out at some dope club in New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I'm in New York, I'm like, bring it. But yeah. you know, yeah. that's moments in my life. So you know, I think what we have to do as we, get older or as as, I'm not going to say it that way. What we have to do throughout life is always figure out what keeps us relative and keeps us inspired. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy for the wind to blow and blow out the flame. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we're sitting there in the dark again. But in that moment, back full circle, that's when we start to march forward again. That's Mm -hmm. when we start to feel uncomfortable again. And if you're uncomfortable, you're probably growing. Mm Mm-hmm. You're yeah. probably developing. And if you're in yeah. motion, you're probably moving because mm-hmm. it's just logical. <laughs> it's the sum of the effort. You know, yeah. you're probably growing and you're probably moving. And, and and with that said, if we continue to keep our eyes open, aware, and alert, we never stop developing. Yeah. And there in so many ways we can always inspire. So yeah, I think it's just different for us now, Russell, because we are a minute older, and I don't know if you're my age or not. Uh, but uh, I, I plead the fifth. I'm 39 again. <laughs> I've been 39 now for 17 years, so I have anniversaries. I don't have birthdays anymore. Well, the good thing about that is we can't add. So that's, that's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> you still, you'll always be 39 in my book, man. Uh, like, Annie's keeping me young by dragging me to London at all these underground clubs and all that stuff. So you should. You should come to London with us for our next hair adventure. That would be so fun. <laughs> Bring it. Are, will yeah. you be at Salon International this year, Travis? I, I what when is it? I'm not uh, that I'm no. aware of. It's on booked, October so I... the the weekend of the 14th, 15th, 16th, I believe. A couple weeks out. Mm-hmm. October 15th and 16th. Look at me writing this down while we're live. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I would love to come. Should I come? Hang out with you guys? Always. Sure. Always. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Come along. Come along. I'm There's like, just, you know, space. jump on an international flight just last minute. Why not? Always space. You know, always if, if we can make fun. it happen, let's make it happen. There you go. There <laughs> Is you it go. In, Lo- in the UK or? Yeah, in London. Yeah, in London. Oh, sick. Yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. I need a little UK <laughs> trip right now. <laughs> yeah, the hair nerds have been throwing these educational you know, trips, these destination education things, and they have been so much fun, have been so great. I mean, it broadens your horizons, allows you to see things from different points of view and be inspired at the same time. It's it's really incredible. I, I urge everyone to to jump on one, whether it's Japan or London or wherever else we're going. So yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah. really awesome. How cool yeah. do you guys do that? Yeah. It's it's a lot of hard work, but it's worth it. So so she's yeah. the cool kid keeping the old guy cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah. Russell, that's back to everything, right? We can really shoot ourselves in the foot, and you know, and I'm not speaking about you and I, but us as humans, and mm-hmm. back to hanging out with people. Like it's about gravitating towards people that are helping us grow. Mm-hmm. And you know, the older we are, the more we have to offer wisdom. And so, for anybody younger than us, that's invaluable. 
for anybody younger than us, for us, you know, it's invaluable, you know, for us to stay connected. And so, yeah, we all need each other. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was really a pleasure. And when you get your pro program up and running, we should have you on again. And so you can tell us all about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. Yeah. Within the next few weeks here. So there you go. Perfect. Pushing Uh, hard right now. Awesome. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. I, I, I almost had it right. I always screw this up every time. Every time. <laughs> anyway, follow us on your favorite social media. Uh, give us a DM for what you'd like to see in, the, in here in the future. And thank you so much for Travis and Annie for having us and having this whole platform. I think it's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. What a brilliant time. Cheers.